Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Ryan, summer is uh, definitely here. Boy, it is yeah. a smoking week this week. It is. You know, we've had a mild summer, and True. now it's now it's turning on the heat. It's true. Spring was beautiful. You know, the the weather has been very mild. We had lots of rain, so that's all been good. But yeah, I mean, July fourth is not going to disappoint. I think it's going to be pretty, pretty, pretty hot. It was inevitable. It was coming eventually. But it's true. Yeah, June it's was true. really nice. We are in Georgia, so yeah, uh, in South Carolina. So yeah, no doubt. But uh, hey, sports wise, um, I don't know. Not a lot going on this time of year for me. Um. Golf's been interesting. Keegan Bradley won the uh, Travelers Championship last mm-hmm. week. He walked away. That's good to see him and his young family uh, yeah. win that. Um, I don't know. What else? LSU just walked away with the National Championship in baseball. Yeah. Um, just killed Florida. I watched that game the other night. That Man. was interesting. Speaking of baseball, the Atlanta Braves, since we are in Georgia, are playing pretty good ball right now. I mean, they are scoring some points. There you go. That's exciting. Yeah, I used to watch them a lot, you know, and I, so yeah, if they can make it through the through the uh midsummer break and and yeah. still be doing well, I think I'll start tuning in. That's when it really starts to count. So, you got to get true. through the All-Star game and see where where you're at, but I mean, it's been pretty solid. It's I mean, they've had a lot of couple big game winning streaks. Uh yeah, so it's been fun. Well, yeah, that's exciting. There's always something going on in in uh Sports, um, I'm looking forward to football. We'll see. Yeah, oh, yeah. There you go, (laughs) yeah. Speaking of exciting, we have some good topics to talk about today um, and very timely topics. One of them, Ryan, is, you know, what higher rates and longer rate higher rates mean for you? Mm, Um, You know, because the Fed has now raised rates a bunch of times in a row and and rates are are up there, and now they're saying they're going to stick around a while, and they might give a couple more rate hikes. So... That's a big deal, you know, to your investments and to your financial life. Um, so is, this is not transitory, so to speak. This might be around for a while. So we're going to talk about what can you do? What does it mean for your financial life? Is there anything you can do to position yourself for that inevitability? Hopefully talk about some of the good things with that, because obviously Absolutely. no one likes, likes the interest rates going up, but there are good things you can do. There is a silver lining. We'll talk about that, too. Yeah, the second topic, we're going to talk about longevity risk. Um, you know, could you outlive your savings? And that's a that's mm. just a good question to really ask because a lot of projections, life expectancy is going up, and a lot of times that's one of the bigger concerns for clients. And, yeah, we just talked through how to deal with that. Absolutely, yeah. you got to know what to plan for. So, yeah, that's that's a great topic, and um be interesting to dig into that. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 28 years experience in financial planning and investment advice. And I'm Ryan Borders. I am also a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. And we're excited to have you listening to us today on our weekly show. Our podcast are up every Friday morning. Um, check out our show through the website, moneymd.net, or you can find us on iTunes, um, listen to us anywhere in the world. All our old shows are all on our website, and so you can go on there. And we got over 10 years of shows categorized by topic and so date. And so, yeah, lots of information out there. No shortage of of good prescriptions from the money doctors. So, so we're here for it, and we'd love to hear from you. So send us your uh, questions. You can link to us there on our website, and we will talk about those right here on the show. 
We're going to start off here, Ryan, with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, we got an interesting one here regarding just giving. So just looking at some trends, uh, Americans gave just 1.7% of their disposable income to charity last year. Wow. So that does seem low. Yeah, the, the lowest share since actually 1995. And this is according to Giving USA Report. Um, you can chalk that up to you know economic uncertainty, inflation, the fact that individuals can feel like maybe they're making less of an impact and bigger philanthropists. Wow. Um, but speaking of bigger philanthropists, Warren Buffett, obviously everyone knows who that is. Uh, you know, he just donated another $4.6 of Berkshire Hathaway stock to five charities, and that's bringing his total giving to over $51 billion. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my hat's off to uh, Warren Buffett. Yeah, that's that's pretty generous. <laughs> yeah, that, that's... Even for a guy as wealthy as he is. <laughs> I know. And that's more than his net worth was in t- 2006, and that's according to CNBC. Okay. So, you know, he's putting his money where his mouth is. You know, he's talked about being... You know, philanthropic, and he's giving a lot away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a shame that the average American isn't uh, too and too much right now. But I guess inflation is definitely taking a bite. Sure. Yeah. People's giving. Interesting fact of the week, no doubt. That leads us up here to our first topic, though. What higher rates for longer means to you, Ryan? And this is based on an article out of AP News, David McCall, um, here very recently, and. Uh, But, Ryan, I mean, it's been a tumultuous year and a half since the Fed started raising rates to cool down inflation. Um, You know, and so Chairman uh, Jay Powell and the Fed began raising rates in March of last year and has raised rates 10 times in a row over the past 15 months by a total of four and three quarters percent. Um, So now, I mean, the word on the street is they may raise it another quarter percent or more before the end of the year after pausing this this month at this month's Fed meeting um, here a couple weeks ago. You know, a year ago, most analysts were talking about a rate cut by the end of this year as the economy was projected to slip into recession late this year. Now that talk has all but ended. And, you know, now that employment has remained super strong. Earnings are not nearly as depressed as some had predicted. So now the reality seems to kind of set in that rates will remain high well into next year and possibly for a couple of years as inflation slowly cools toward the Fed's 2% target. Oh, fun. Well, you know, (laughs) as bad as that sounds, there's actually a silver lining with higher rates, which is a real benefit to investors. Consider the fact that fixed income investments in in a portfolio or your savings account has been yielding almost nothing for several years now, but that has changed over the past year. Um, You know, as a result of the rising rate, a a conservative portfolio with a substantial holding of fixed income investments is getting some uh, getting some a big boost in returns from a higher bond yield from higher bond yields. So at the same time, people with significant savings can enjoy uh, interest interest well above inflation for the first time in over three years now. Um, you know, in fact, um, once inflation returns to the Fed's two percent target, we may enjoy even two or three percent real return with a low risk uh, fixed income instrument. So, th- you know, this is a positive real return above inflation is a welcome a welcome effect of higher rates, which is a significant boost to you know investment returns over time. So from that angle, we are certainly hoping rates stay higher for a while. So some, some good news there. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for investors, high rates are a good thing. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you want your fixed income piece of your portfolio to yield a significant return and significantly contribute to the overall return of your portfolio. And so that, that puts it in a pretty good place if you're diversified and you have a significant chunk in fixed income. So hopefully that'll, that'll persist for a good and, while. And um, like you've said before, it, it rewards saving. It should. And then you, your rates should be high enough to reward savings. Yeah. And I think that's important. And uh, I think it's a good place, quite frankly. So, so I'm pleased that rates are going to stay higher for a while and uh, hopefully they won't get back down to some super low level like they were you know of course all the effects of the higher rates are not positive and you know they do necessitate some planning to position yourself for the best result going forward so with that in mind you know it's time to ask yourself you know what does this mean over the next year or two and what actions should you take or shouldn't take in such an environment. Um, I mean, after all, we haven't seen a year where short-term rates were above inflation in quite a while now. And so this rapid rise in rates was the fastest we've seen in in 40 years. Um, So here are five trends to look for over the next year as rates remain high. Well, number one is pretty obvious. I mean, borrowing costs will remain very high across all levels, areas of debt. You know, this means housing is going to remain slow as inventories come to a crawl. I mean, people simply are not going to let go of their two and a half percent mortgage, you know, if they can help it. And and rightly so. I mean, you know, the 30 year fixed mortgage now breached seven percent in May, Ryan. Jeez. And it's lingering above that level, Um, you know, while the 15 year mortgage, it hovers above six percent. Auto loans are also north of seven percent. So, I mean, it's time to limit new loans and to hang on to what you have, if possible. You know, if the analysts are correct, I mean, you might be able to refinance a new loan down in a few years, but you can't count on that. So be careful with new loans. Having said that, um, you know, if if you have a house to sell with plenty of equity, then buying a new home might not be out of the question. You know, the inventory and and buying process is certainly better than it was a year ago. Okay. And- Real quick question for you. When What was the highest mortgage rates have been in your lifetime? Do you know or remember? Well, when I first bought a house, I'm dating myself here in 1991, um, okay. my mortgage rate was nine and a quarter percent. Nine and a quarter, good. Nine, nine and a quarter. That was 1991. So certainly back in the early 80s, you know, in late 70s, it got as high as, as maybe 12 or 13 percent. So, um, wow. Yeah. Okay. There, there have been some high ones out there. Well, that gives some perspective. Maybe it's not that bad, right? <laughs> it's, not, you know, it's not terrible. Yeah. I mean, you know, it seems incredibly high right now, but I mean, they could stay there a long yeah. time if, if the economy doesn't take off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or it just, doesn't weaken, doesn't hit a recession. Yeah. Well, the second point is you can now get close to 5% on your savings, and apparently that's going to linger for a while. So make sure you are, you know, deploying your cash to a high yield savings account or a brokerage money market account. Um, the difference between what banks pay on traditional savings account and a high yield online account is night and day. And I see this all the time with people that come into the office. Yeah. Don't accept anything less than four and a half percent on your savings. Um, having said that, stay away, uh, stay away for you know junk bonds or chasing a high dividend stock or bonds in in today's markets. Um, 
there's no need to venture into anything risky in a fixed income space given today's rates and uh, the relevant risk to those investments. So you just want to be careful that you're not, you know, taking risk with that money. You want to be yeah, wise with it. Yeah. And there's no sense in it with yeah. with um, the high rates that we have today. There's no need to go venture out with fixed income yeah. and take a lot of risk. Um, you should be in a very conservative, you know, four and a half, five percent. I mean, that's that's pretty good for fixed income. So let's don't go chase something silly yeah. out there and trying to get an extra. Got to get that because I have so many people come in and they just have it in a normal account. And I'm like, you know, I had somebody recently with hundred thousand for, and I was like, man, you got to get this in a money market or high yield savings. Got something. to, <laughs> got to, yep, absolutely. So that's a good one. Um, yeah, next one here is, you know, I mean, there are some things to stay away from in this environment. And REITs and other leveraged real estate investments are, are one of those items. They're in a difficult spot in today's environment. Um, you know, they're likely gonna, there will likely be some fallout among real estate companies in the months ahead. So be careful not to expose yourself to large commercial real estate ventures in today's environment. I mean, these companies have maturing mortgages that have to be refinanced at higher mm. rates in today's markets because um, they do come due over time, and many of these have vacancies as more employees are now working from home. So no one knows, you know, how this market will unfold in the coming months, but it is clear, clearly one of the areas facing some fallout from higher rates in the post-pandemic trends. So you want to stay away from that. Yeah, absolutely. And number four, you know, equity markets should find their footing and move on to new highs as the Fed ends its rate increases and confirms inflation is on the right path. So, you know, the market is a leading economic indicator and appears to have already um, discounted a slowdown later in the year. Uh, earnings were not nearly as weak in the first half of the year as predicted last fall. Employment and spending remain much stronger than anticipated, leaving companies in a better place than was forecasted. Uh, while there have been some weak areas like banking, companies in general are poised to gain some traction in the second half of the year. You know, historically, markets do better than average coming off of a down year. And this is what we could see uh, for the second half now that the largest risk of recession is abating. So resist the urge to go more fixed despite the attractive yields with interest rates. And that's one thing I've noticed this year. I watch Bloomberg all the time. It's amazing how People predict things all the time, and it's and they always correct it. So, like, right. are you really predicting anything? You're just constantly changing your outlook, and it just exactly. it's just a bad game that it seems like no one ever predicts anything well. <laughs> yeah, they don't. I mean, they were totally wrong last year, you know, about about rates, you know, stopping back in the in the spring. And, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just the the economy hasn't weakened nearly mm-hmm. as much as they predicted. So, yeah. that's exactly right. And the economy and the hiring should start to cool at some point later this year and continue to bring down inflation. Um, you know, that means getting a job could be tougher down the road. But for now, I mean, employment remains remarkably strong. So if you're planning a career change, you still have time to execute on that plan. But don't wait too long. You know, a softening of the job market is likely in this environment at some point down the road. So that's another thing to look for. <clears throat> in the coming months. But, you know, as with all economic season, I mean, there are challenges, there are opportunities, depending on how you position yourself. So in this season of high rates and a slowing economy, you want to be aware of where you are and how to position your finances in this season. As such, you know, it's probably a great time to save money, to invest in both fixed income and the stock market. 
Of course, in doing so, you want to remain well diversified. Avoid chasing yesterday's winners like large tech stocks. On the other hand, you know, it's likely a bad time to take on new debt or to linger in assets with maturing debt that's facing refinancing. So if you're contemplating a housing move or adjusting your portfolio, it would be good advice to get some professional help and some counsel before you commit to some major changes in today's environment. That's kind of the the moral of the story here. And um, yeah, and that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, I thought this was a good question that was sent in. Um, what are some common mistakes people make when investing for the first time and how can they avoid them? I'll go ahead and say off the bat, it's just yeah. not being well diversified, you know, picking individual stocks, usually things that have had really good performance short term, just because a lot of people just don't understand a lot of the, you know, basics of investing. And so they'll just find a single stock that maybe has been doing good for three years. Absolutely. That is the number one, the number one mistake that we see for younger investors. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, quick story. Whenever I first got into investing, you know, back um, when I first got out of school, you know, I, I didn't know how to do it either. So I, I went and I read Money Magazine and I thought, well, you know, they're talking about this list of returns for last year. So why not just pick the highest returning fund <laughs> and let's throw it all in there? That, yeah. Right? Doesn't that make Perfect. sense? I mean, the highest returning fund is probably going to repeat. It must be the best fund. It yeah. must be, Ryan. So <laughs> that's exactly what I did. I picked the number one fund. It had returned 79% Jeez. the previous year. It was an American Century Ultra Fund or something like that, um, and which is no longer around today. But mm. um, it picked small growth stocks, right? And Gosh. those lost their shirt the yeah. next year, Ryan. I mean, it lost like 50% the next year. And I was just, this was 1990. We, we entered a recession there for a little period, and they just got murdered. And that was a hard lesson for me. And it's the same thing we see people doing today, chasing yesterday's returns, just looking at past performance, thinking some reason that's going to repeat. Yeah. That's not the way markets work. So don't chase yesterday's returns. Stay diversified. You want to position your portfolio toward asset classes that, you know, blended together, give you the return you're looking for with the lower amount of risk. Same, just game. people thinking what's going on today is what the future is, right? I mean... Right. Just, this this decade is what the future next decade is going to be like. Well, if you look at decades of certain indexes and areas of the market, man, it changes so much. And um, yeah, you just you yeah. got to investing is a long term time horizon. We're talking 40 plus years for retirement savings. You can't be just thinking five or 10 years. And you can't draw by looking in the rearview mirror. So. Absolutely. <laughs> That's a good one. All right. And that leads us up to our next topic here. Longevity risk. Longevity risk could cause you to outlive your savings. Yeah, Steve. So we're going to take a closer look today at perhaps the most important assumption of retirement planning, and that's life expectancy. So this um, this is from Charles Schwab, um, and just wanted to kind of walk through, you know, how to maybe handle that well and, and look at, you know, projections and things like that. So um, Mark Reap is a 58-year-old in good health who lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, for the purpose of retirement planning, he expects to live uh, till he's 90. And his wife is projected to 94. Uh, so he Good. says, hey, for a long time, I thought my wife uh, couldn't live without me, Mark Jones. Um, couldn't outlive him, Mark, yeah. Yeah, Mark <laughs> jokes. And, uh, but I've been, 
disabused of that notion. So the track four years for her given. Um, so he's given her four years extra on the life expectancy compared to him. Mark knows something about retirement planning. He's the head of Charles Schwab's Center for Financial Research, a position he's held for 25 years. And while he spent his career thinking about how to make assets last a lifetime, estimating his own lifespan and determining how much to save for what's likely uh, to be a long retirement is challenging even for him. So even he's having a hard time with this. So he says, hey, the hard thing for everyone, including me, is figuring out the extent of our retirement and what associated price tag will be. Um, you know, so experts call this retirement, call this the retirement consumption puzzle. We can reasonably estimate every input, pension, social security benefits, return on stocks, and bonds, expect the most important, except the most important one, and that's how long we will live. Um, it's like packing for a car trip without knowing whether you're going to uh, across town or across the country. So it's really the one area. It's like, man, we really can't predict that. So it's very difficult. Yeah, I mean, yeah, nobody knows how long they're going to live, right? So definitely, yeah. that's a hard thing to predict for. And so I think you have to err on the long side just in <laughs> case, for sure. So yeah, so what is a traveler to do or a retirement planner to do in this case, um, you know, to continue their analogy? I mean, in general, experts say you got to pack as much as possible. You know, if you're in good health and you don't smoke and you plan, then you need to plan to be on the road for a long time. You know, if you're married, you have long-lived relatives, um, you, you may be in the car even longer or in retirement longer, right? So, you know, if you're affluent, um, the <clears throat> fill the cooler with snacks, right, because you'll need them. Uh, a 2016 study they cite here, Ryan, showed that the richest 1% of women lived 10.1 years longer than the poorest 1%. Wow. That's interesting. I didn't realize wealth made that big a difference in and longevity. Um, for men, they're saying the difference was 14.6 years Jeez. between the wealthiest and the poorest. Um, so, you know, the number of centurions, of those that have lived to 100, rose a whopping 88% between 2010 and 2020, according to Census Bureau. So the bottom line is, I mean, if you're healthy and if you have means um, you know, your savings is going to need to last a long time. So, I mean, in general, we like to say, you know, plan to 95 or 100 and yeah. then you won't come up short. Yeah. So, yeah, think 90 something. Like you said, we do 95 here. So the worst outcome in retirement isn't isn't leaving too much money behind. It's not having enough to go the distance. However, estimating the distance depends on whom you ask. And there's so many different opinions and calculators out there, right? So if we look at, you know, the Social Security Administration, you know, it reckons a man now at age 55 can anticipate living 27 more years to age 82. A woman the same age should plan 31 more years to 86. Planners at Schwab see it differently, though. So studies have found a significant correlation between greater wealth and more favorable health outcomes, including lower mortality, higher life expectancy. Yeah. So due to the wealth effect, we generally recommend that men plan to live at age 92 at Charles Schwab and women to 94, unless your individual or family health history suggests otherwise. And this is uh, David Jamison. He's at Schwab. He's a wealth, uh, wealth advising solutions uh, team. Um, what's more, the Social Security Administration considers only your sex, date of birth, um, comparing with 
with uh, comparing you with every other American. So there's not a many data points there on the Social Security Administration. It's just kind of an average. Right. So you, you want to look at other potential calculators when we're looking at longevity risk. Absolutely. Yeah, you certainly can <clears throat> increase those odds with you with you know wealth and taking care of yourself and you know just trying a little bit right just don't yeah. smoke and <laughs> don't, exactly don't do stupid things that, that tends yeah, to right it's not going to put in your weight it's not going to put in you know exactly it's a huge exactly. difference so you can make a big difference that's why we say plan for 95 or 100 you know and just make sure you have it covered then you don't really have to worry about the exact date and the coming up with the exact number you know i mean when you're planning for retirement, the assets, if they're going to drop off, they drop off rapidly. So you don't want them to drop off at all. You want mm -hmm. to stay kind of level in retirement so that your assets, you have something to pass on. Yeah. And you have some cushion if you do live an extra five years or, you know, if somebody lives to 110 and they, you know, cure cancer. <clears throat> so, yeah. yeah so, uh, so, yeah, it's not an exact science here, but you want to shoot, shoot for the long side for sure. Um, but for those who want an exact estimate of longevity, there are several online tools that consider more factors than life for life expectancy, including education, ethnicity, and the history of chronic illness. Um, but you want to plan to succeed, right? So estimating your longevity is an important aspect of retirement planning, but creating a solid retirement plan, financial plan, and updating it regularly may even be more consequential to your success. So you want to like I said, plan for a very long, you know, retirement, regardless of your health. And, and then you have it covered. Um, but financial planning isn't something you do just once. I mean, your health, um, the market, <clears throat> even tax laws, they all change over time. Um, they can change on a dime as well. So it's a good idea to check in at least once a year, update your life expectancy, update your plan, um, update your assumptions and make sure you're still on track. You know, what precisely <clears throat> does being on track look like? Well, financial planners like us, we use software that's very sophisticated software that estimate, you know, how long your assets are going to last. And given your life expectancy and your spending needs, your anticipated returns, <clears throat> multiple, you know, kind of a low, medium, high return, um, you know, our system aims for a 90% probability yeah. based on a Monte Carlo, uh, Monte Carlo analysis that your assets are going to last at least until 95. That's, yeah. that's what we like to plan for. So, yeah, you definitely want to leave some cushion in there and you want to make sure you have, you know, every reasonable chance to make it to, to 95. That's our suggestion. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a successful retirement plan will balance your current needs and wants with your future goals. On a more fundamental level, you know, our job is to help our clients enjoy their golden years in whatever way they see fit. And that's why we work with so many people. So the next is, you know, you want to stretch your dollars. So no matter how much planning you do, there's no way of knowing for certain how long your retirement journey will last. The risk of running out of money is the top concern for most retirees. We hear that all the time, even those with ample savings. Um, fortunately, there are ways to guard against this, and there's some, obviously, we'll talk, we'll kind of have a little bit open discussion here about best options. You know, first and foremost, one option here, you know, Social Security, which offers a guaranteed income for life. Um, it's not, you know, it may not cover all your expenses in retirement. You know, the maximum monthly benefit for 2023 was at about $4,500. 
but it can go a long way in supplementing your, you know, your portfolio income. Um, if your life expectancy is on the higher side, you should strongly consider delaying your Social Security benefit. That's because each year you wait to collect beyond your full retirement age, you know, between 66 and 67, depending on your birth year, um, it increases your monthly payouts by 8% up to age 70, you know, after which, you know, there's not much of a benefit there to delay. And you can estimate your monthly benefit at various ages using actual income history. So if you have a longevity, if you're predicting longevity, Social Security is one of those areas that can help with that. Others, you know, suggest annuities. And I kind of wanted to bring that up because I've heard this argument before, you know, hey, annuities gives you that guaranteed income and just why that might not be the best option. It doesn't protect against inflation. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. So annuities are not a good choice, I believe, for retirement planning simply because it's a level income. It's not an inflated adjusted income over time. You need to get a higher return than you can get it in annuity so that you can cover inflation, give yourself a raise five years, 10 years down the road. We know how much inflation has affected us in the past five years. Yeah. So you can't afford to not factor that in to your retirement income. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, developing a sound financial plan that has a high probability of success to last to an ending age is crucial. So figuring out how much you can withdraw from your portfolio each year without depleting it too soon is a huge challenge for retirees. A financial planner uh, can continually monitor your situation and offer solutions to keep you on track for a real boon to retirement income planning. A sound retirement plan can help uh, put your mind at ease that your portfolio will last as long as you do. Um, so, yeah, just a topic we talk about a lot with people is just that yeah. longevity risk. It's You can't predict it, but you want to be on the conservative side, push it out. Um, yeah. Yeah, have a long, long, longevity assumption. But the key is to have a retirement plan, right? Have a plan. That's yeah. the first step. <laughs> so make sure you have a plan. You update it once a year. And um, yeah, then you'll know you have some idea you're on track. One of the topics last year you and I did was savings is not saving is not a plan. You know, some people just save and all these things exactly. and they have no target into you need to actually put the plan so you know what age I'm gonna retire, how much do I need to live off of to that ending age. You need clarity there. That's crucial. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, very good. And that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this is for people about to get married. Um, you want to talk about money, <laughs> your benefits. You want to talk about values. You want to talk about your past, your future. How did you deal with money in your family? Things like that. You want to get some counseling. Uh, it's just amazing how many people get married and never talk about finances before they're married. And then they get married and they realize, wow, we are not on the same page. Yep. We had a lot of different upbringing. Um, so one thing you can do is in your counseling, you know, talk through money, but also take a Dave Ramsey financial peace class. Uh, that's a really good way to start your marriage just to, so you can get on the same page together. So there can be spousal unity. Um, cause yeah, you can, money can be a huge stressor in a marriage, cause a lot of, um, tension and fighting and it's good to be on the same page as we enter marriage. Yeah. You got to broach that subject before you get married, um, is the ideal time to do it. I talked to somebody just last week, I believe it was where, you know, they got married, second marriage, and they were totally not yeah. on the same page of, with money and how to how to manage it. So, uh, yeah, it's very, very important. It'll create stress in your marriage if you don't address that early. So, yeah, get on the same page. FPU class is a yeah. great way to do that. So, good prescription of the week. All right, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. 
check us out on our website, moneymd.net. Send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can give us a call at Richard Young Associates, 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week. Material in this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. All hosts are representatives of Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. About a certain